Oh yes, yes. It was. Whoa, that is interesting. You trumped, you trumped the birthday. Well done. Congratulations. I'm pretty sure open heart surgery is better than just birthday. Yes, fame is busy. Lost a stone and a half. Come on. Did you find it? No. Okay. Fair enough. Christine. Roller coaster! I didn't know where this was going! Praise God! Thank God! To begin with, I thought you said I didn't speak to my son for three months and that was it. And I was just about to go, I don't know where to take this. But the way you have opened, brilliant. Praise God. Cool, right. I'm all gathered, as you can tell. Um, good morning. My name is Jeeves. I have the joy and privilege of hosting the youth work for the church. Married to our wonderful wife, Catherine. Um, for those who don't know, on Monday and Tuesday this week, uh, we had a youth away day up at Hall, And I tell you what, there were precious times of community and gathering. Um, your youth, your youth, and I'm going to be saying that a lot today, your youth are amazing. And God is doing something in them. So I please ask you, continue to pray for them, continue to love them, and what I'm saying there, I tell you now, is going to be a repeated message that I'm going to be saying probably for the rest of the year, if not for the whole time I'm here. It's so important that we are praying and loving our young people because God is definitely moving in them. And what a joy it is to continue our journey in Samuel, again, looking at a story of a young person. And today's story, today's preach, you'll be happy to know I'm not preaching by myself. Wow, some people are happy with that. Our very own youth, Megan Barnard, is going to be preaching with me. So I want, to, I want you to encourage her, I want you to love her. We're going to split it. I'm going to take one point, she's going to take one point, and now I'm going to close. Everyone happy with that? Yeah. Good. Today's story, I bet you, I bet you, if I was to ask about the story of Samuel, it's the one that everyone would know. It's the classic Sunday school story. Everyone did the whole Samuel story, and, and actually, you just need to look at um, preachers online. Just go on YouTube and type in Samuel, and this will be the preacher that'll come up. It'd be more commonly than not the charismatic preacher that the main point out is: is if God calls you, you must go. It's like it's kind of the classic preach that if God is calling you, you must get up and go. It, it just it's the same preach over and over again. I'm not doing that today. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> What I want us to do is to take a conventional passage that we probably all know the story to the extent where we knew what the drama was going on. And by the way, I'm so glad that God whispered because like the kid over there, if it was me, I probably would have woken up the whole temple. Samuel! Like I would have definitely tried to grab his attention. We all know that to be the case. But we're going to look at the story and I suppose when Megan and I were diving into it, we came up, I suppose, with three questions that we wanted to really talk about today that I hope and I pray will help us explore this topic a little bit better. Instead of it just being a classic Samuel calling of God, go and get up and all that kind of preach, I hope and I pray that by diving into three questions, we're able to just unpack it a little bit more. So instead of this being a Sunday school topic, it could be, once again, allowing the Holy Spirit to unpack some truth that can dig and dive deep into our hearts. Happy about that? Yeah. 
Good. I'll be honest with you, like last week, I either need you to smile with your eyes or audible communication. Are we happy with that? Yes. Good. Gabby, as always, beautiful smiling with your eyes. Very well done. Right, let me pray. Holy Spirit, just come. Be in this place as we look at this word. Just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reign and reign indeed. Unpack some truths for us fresh again today, we pray. In your holy name, Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at the first question. Why did God call Samuel? Why, why was it Samuel? It's so interesting because if we look at Samuel, he was in a place, he didn't actually have the beard. Hannah was the one, if you remember last week we talked about Hannah's obedience and the fact that she aligned to this vow that she made to God and after being weaned she then took Samuel to the temple to stay there. But it was from her vow and her obedience that he was then there. What we see is Samuel continues this obedient kind of family line that Hannah was modelling and Hannah was role modelling to her son in a way to show him how to be obedient. Show him actually that to be in the temple, serving in the temple, was a very important thing. And we see a comparison of Samuel in the temple compared to Eli's sons in the temple next week. But there's a real comparison. Samuel, obedient servant, who didn't have to be there. He wasn't a priest at that time. Does that make sense? Like he wasn't, he was a young boy. But yet he decided to follow the obedience that his mother displayed, mother and father displayed, to say, I'm at the temple, I'm going to serve in the temple. Secondly, we see him in the temple and it says that the lamp was burning out. Now these lamps, though, I love the imagery of these little torches. They weren't little torches like that. They were big oil lamps. Oil lamps burn for some time. They take time to burn. It's not a candle that can suddenly just goes. Oil lamps take time, you know. And so it says that he was there whilst the lamp was still burning to the point that the lamp burnt out. That is a long time for Samuel to be in the temple. He was there, a young boy. Now, I know our youth very well. If I ask them, are they awake? Five hours after waking up, the answer is no. I asked them if an hour after they awake having a coffee, the answer is no. And yet Samuel, young boy, awake, studying, being, staying in the temple. Youth, if there's a lesson there, you can wake up. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Max Collins. Um, I love you, my boy. <laughs> so it's remarkable when we look at what God does with Samuel, the calling of a young boy. See, Samuel becomes the last judge. He becomes the guy that starts to set up the next chapter of Israel. He is the person that anoints Saul, but anoints David, King David. The, the man whose title is given to Jesus, son of David. This is, this is what God sees in this young boy. So why Samuel? Well, I love the fact that God fundamentally is looking at the heart. He's looking directly at Samuel's heart and sees the heart of this young man. He doesn't see the maturity alone of this young man. It's really important to call this out. He doesn't see his experience. He doesn't see the, the given maturity. He sees the heart. 
You see, so easy, especially when we start talking about the calling of God, we accidentally make it an ageist thing. We accidentally go, well, when you hit 30, now you can be called. You know what I mean? Like, we make it something that can do do with age, yet God saw this young boy's heart and say, that's my next judge. That's the boy I'm calling. I'm so grateful that God is not an ageist God. He loves all ages. He calls all ages. This preach is not just for adults, but it's for the youngest as well. It's for all. Because you could be called at any time by God. Because he doesn't look at your age. He doesn't look at your maturity. He doesn't look at your experience. Or he doesn't look at your CV of things that you've done to tick off. He looks at the heart. Such a helpful reminder that God knows what he's looking at. He sees the full obedience and persistence of Samuel to follow the things that were set in the Torah that he had to do, the different tasks he had to carry out, to then be in the place of staying in the beautiful throne room of the temple, to stay in the place with the living God, just to rest and be there. And he sees that and he goes, that's my boy. That's, that's my boy. That's who I'm calling. God saw the heart and saw the obedience to prove it. It's a beautiful thing. See, I don't think God calls extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. I think God calls ordinary people who have an obedient heart to do extraordinary things. Let me say that again because it's really important we make it clear. I don't think God calls extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. I think God calls ordinary people with obedient heart to do extraordinary things. Where's our heart? When it comes to the call of God, where is your heart? Where is your expectation? Okay, that's the first question. You ready? Let's go. Let's invite Megs coming up to look at the next question. Let's give a round of applause, church. Come on, she's for you. So, the next question we're looking at is why did Samuel and Eli not recognise God's voice? As was beautifully acted out, um, we see that Samuel responds a few times and Eli Obviously it wasn't him, and there's a bit of a moment of confusion of where is this voice actually coming from, before they have this big realisation of knowing that it's actually God calling them. And firstly, this whole encounter of back and forth um, shows us where Eli is. God speaking, like so personally to Samuel, was outside of the box of what Eli was used to. Yeah. At the times, God often spoke through prophets and prophecies who would then proclaim it to the rest of the people, and not personally to someone, especially someone as young as Samuel. Yeah. And so for Eli, it's probably easy to imagine that Samuel was just making it up. It's the middle of the night, he's tired, and probably thought nothing more of it for the first few times. And especially at the time, we knew that the word of God was rare. Again, prophets spoke, but the amount that they spoke wasn't as much as we've even seen this morning. And um, as we can see in the passage, Eli was actually physically blind. Not just that, he was also spiritually blind. 
He probably never really heard the word of God speak in his lifetime. And as we know, and we'll explore next week, his family was a bit messed up. And so his encounters with God probably was nothing like they should have been, really. Regardless of this, and however weak Eli's eyes were, we know that the lamp of God was still burning. There was still hope in this young boy of Samuel, how the word of God can still move. Yeah. And you know, Eli was probably a bit confused by all of this, the way that God spoke so personally to Samuel, as he was used to this, maybe this big booming voice coming from God. And it can be so true for us as well. We might have this expectation of how God would speak. And when he doesn't speak that way, we might not recognize it just because we're not looking out for it or because we're not expecting it. And so we need to open our hearts to him to speak in ways that we're not expecting. So are your ears tuned into his speaking his way or your way? Are you waiting for him to speak in a way that you're understanding or a way that he planned for you? And what is your expectation of him moving in your everyday life? Are you only expecting him to speak on a Sunday or are you expecting him to meet you in your everyday walking? Now, Samuel obviously didn't recognize God's voice the first time, but he was persistent in responding to the call. Each time he went up and got to Samuel, and Samuel would have known about the prophets and the priests and all the ways that God spoke like that, and so he he could understand that God would speak that way. But again, Eli probably never mentioned the way that God can speak to him personally. However, he does. He gets up and he goes to Eli and he um, to ask if it was him. Until Eli gets that connection, it's almost like you're upstairs in your room. And your mum calls you downstairs. And you said, what? And then you don't hear anything back. So you go downstairs to investigate. And then she's like, oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. And you're like, oh, I came all this way downstairs. But okay, I won't make a fuss. I'll go back upstairs. <laughs> and you're sitting there. And you hear a call again. How many times would you go downstairs to investigate that call before you're like, oh, stop it. She doesn't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like me, you're probably comfortable in your room and you won't go downstairs too many times. But luckily for us, Samuel wasn't like that. Each time he got up to investigate until that connection was made. And what's amazing is that God will speak to us in a way that's right for us. Samuel, he spoke to Samuel in such a way that Samuel even confused it with Eli. It was so personal to Samuel. Um, And that's how God speaks to us as well. The way that God speaks to us will be different to the person sitting either side of you and different to everyone here in this church. But God will speak to you in such a way that you understand and that works for you. And when God speaks to you, he can speak to you personally or it could be prompted by um, someone else around you. And what's so important is the older generation encouraging the younger generation with stories of how God has worked with them or um, ways to connect to God and, and sharing their stories and um, joining them on their own journeys. Additionally, God is persistent in calling us, as we see. He calls Samuel four times before um, they get to have that amazing conversation. And just like that, God is persistent with us. Now, I've got this tissue box, and if I pull one out, there's another one waiting there for me to pull out again. God is like that. As soon as as we respond to his calling, There's another word for us to take from him. And so we leave it for a bit. God's just sitting there, but he doesn't go away. He waits for us again to respond. And there's some more tissues. 
it keeps going, it's an endless box. And we're so privileged that we live in the aftermath of the cross. Yeah. That we have the Holy Spirit with us all day, every day. And we can call on him to hear words from the Father and the Son. Every day, anywhere, anytime. And so, are you using the Holy Spirit to hear from God? Are you enabling others to hear from God as well, in your journey and in theirs? That's my question. Let's go, my girl! Kill. So wise, so true. Thanks, Max. Wow. Okay. Let's go to the last question. Why did God wait? For Samuel to respond. Why did he wait? It's really interesting actually, because we know God could have used anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's when Samuel didn't hear or recognize the first time and the second time, God could have gone, you know what, I've given two goes, he's out. Jeff down the road is also praying in some sort of way, let's call him. Do you know what I mean? It's so easy to of kind of imagine that God can and could speak and use anyone. Because that's not what happened. What we've got is God was persistent about calling Samuel. He didn't move on. And when you look at this, I suppose the question is, what did God see in Samuel to say why he wouldn't stop calling Samuel? We've already talked about it, but let's really look at the scenario here. Samuel, this youth, was staying by the ark even when the lamp had gone out and others, everyone else in the whole temple had gone to sleep. His desire was to be not anywhere else, not even in his own bed, but to be by the ark, to stay at this physical sign of God's ultimate presence at that time. Samuel decided not to be anywhere else but by the ark. That was the choice that he desired to make. Samuel would have done everything else serving the temple. He would have um, you know, sorted out all the different bits that he had to do, count the money, all the rules that would have been in Leviticus. And then his final decision would have been, but I'm going to go then, now be by the ark. See, what's interesting as well is the wording of these verses doesn't make it sound unique that Samuel was by the ark. It doesn't say extraordinary Samuel was there or Samuel decided this time to be by the ark. It, it said that Samuel was lying by the ark. As if I am lying in my bed. It's, it's kind of the same. It would be a given. If anyone in that time would have asked, you know, where's Samuel? There's something that he has to do. Oh, he's by the ark. That's where he always is. It wasn't extraordinary that Samuel was there, but Samuel wanted, desired. That was the power mount of the end of his day that he would stay by where God's ultimate presence on earth was. That was what Samuel did. 
He wanted to listen. He wanted to study. He wanted to submit all that he had, even the comfort of what his sleep could have been, to God to be next to. Next to God's presence. Megan said it so well. We live in the aftermath of the cross. Samuel didn't. So Samuel didn't get filled with the Spirit. He could only be next to God's presence. Yet that was more than enough for this young boy. That's what he decided to do. His response shows it as well. Being obedient to Eli. Being really obedient to Eli. When Eli said, go, go sleep to begin with. Samuel didn't go, oh, you, but I've definitely heard a voice. Like he, he didn't complain. He didn't answer back. Oh, the joy. He didn't, he didn't complain. Instead, he made his way back to his bed and went back to sleep. One the second time. Comes back. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't. But I genuinely heard your voice this time, Eli. I'm not lying about it. I'll take a lie detector test and everything. Like, he didn't say that, did he? What did he do? He went back to bed. Third time. Imagine, like, emotionally, imagine Samuel. He must be like, like someone's playing a prank. <laughs> like, well, someone's definitely calling my voice. Like, calling my name. Going to Eli. Eli, Eli, did you call me? And it wasn't until Eli registered what he could have been that he said the words. And then what do we see Samuel do? Samuel obeys. He obeys. He doesn't go, are you sure Eli? Like, like everything I've read, God doesn't really do that. Like, are you sure that that's what I'm meant to be doing? Like, it's a bit weird just speaking out loud to something. He doesn't do that. There's no answering back. There's no skepticism. There's, no, there's nothing on that boy apart from the desire to be next to God's presence and willing to be obedient in heart. And therefore, we see something beautiful. As I said, I don't think God chooses extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. I think he chooses ordinary people with an obedient heart. With a heart to say, I want to just be with God. I want to see him move in my life. I want to enjoy him. I want to be with him. To do extraordinary things. Let's as we come to land, we have a great privilege to learn this story, but we have a privilege more than Samuel. I don't have to be next to God's presence, I get to be in God's presence. I don't have to wait to hear God speak to me, I get to hear God speak to me every single day. I don't have to wait until there's a certain calling over my life, I know the calling over my life because of what Jesus has done. Matthew 28, go into the world and make disciples. I can be persistent about that already, knowing that God has a calling over my life. You, I think I said this last week, you are perfectly placed for God to use you in the scenario and circumstance that you're in right now. And God is looking for you to move. What he's not looking for is kind of slaves that will do his bidding. He's looking for children who will be overly joyed in the living God to work and be obedient in him. The Christian walk is not a boring walk that is just for the older generation. It's a relational, joyful walk 
and relationship for all generations. And there's a call to two lots here. One to the younger generation, my lovely kids and my youth. God has his hand over your life. Christianity doesn't start when you finish university. Christianity starts the day that you turn to him. It starts the day you turn to him. The calling of God is on your life from that day. You don't have to wait. And therefore, there's a joyful call to serve for him. Not just, and I'm not just saying serving in the church, though that is vitally important, but serving for him in every single thing you do in your day. Here's my point. Kids and young people, Samuel modelled what it meant to be overly loving and joyful about God. Where are you with that? God loves you and wants you to love him. Not in some sort of fake way, but in a joyful, wonderful way that you get a personal relationship with God, not because of your parents, but because of you. God wants to love you. He has called you. Don't discount yourself because you're not an adult. God can and will use you. I feel that the youth and the kids should be and will be the spearhead of this church as they carry the torch into the next generation. So young people, know that we are praying over you, but know that you can have a relationship with God from now. And you are called to serve for God from now. Enjoy the joy. Adults, there is a calling over us as well. How are we seeing our young people in the church? Are they those young people or those kids or are they our young people and our kids? If you are a parent in Ignite, that's a wonderful thing. If you're not a parent in Ignite, no, you are a spiritual parent in Ignite. You don't qualify to be a parent for a young person in this church just because your child is in that age category. You become a parent, or even more wonderfully, a grandparent for the young people in this church because you belong to this family. You're brought in. Welcome. There's no escape. It's a joyful thing. If you aren't praying for the next generation or the young people, I earnestly want to challenge and ask you, please do so. If you are not sharing stories of faith or teaching our young people how to pray, how to listen to God, I earnestly ask you, please do so. What breaks my heart is when it comes to a trend of young people in the church, it's depleting. Do you know why? Do you know what the stats are of why there's a lack of young people, 20s and 30s in the church? The reason why is because for them, the church seems irrelevant because they don't think that they're involved or invited in. Read it. Read the stats. Do your research as well. But I'm telling you now, the reason why the numbers has decreased of the younger generation in the church is because people think the church is irrelevant. I'll tell you why you think the church is irrelevant. is because if you don't think you're part of it. And if you don't think you're part of it, it means that we as the older generation, we've dropped the ball. There's no other way of saying this, lovingly, we've dropped the ball. So beloved family, I, I ask and I urge and I pray, what is your view of your young people in the church? What is your, your view on your calling in the church? 
Eli had to instruct Samuel to listen to God's voice. How are you doing the same? How are you encouraging the young generation to do so? Yes, of course, it's a calling about if God calls you, you've got to listen as well. But like I said, that's not my point. My point is we need to change the culture for our church. Just because we might not have the infrastructure to do so doesn't mean that we have the responsibility. You have the responsibility to pray for the young people of the church. To encourage the young people of the church. To teach the young people of the church. Where are we on that? Where are we on that journey? Do you want to stand with me? We're going to just pray. Just wait a without going through them, put up two verses that talks about the guarding of what God has put on our hearts. Psalm 119 has this beautiful verse. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding according to your word? We have a responsibility to teach our younger generation what guarding his word means. Yes, it's a call over us as well. Don't get me wrong. This is not just a youth-inspired preach. We understand the lesson that we have to learn here. But we'll probably, we need an encouragement to say, how are we teaching the next generation to do that as well? Where are we on that journey? So what we're going to do, I just want to ask, if we lift our hands out, I'm going to pray over us. But then what I want to do is I want us to lift up a prayer for our younger generation. Let us respond first to get our hearts in the right place and then let's do some work and pray over our next generation. As a church, just say, we want to see God move in them. Is that all right? Happy? Okay. Do you want to put your hands up if you want to receive anything fresh here today? Just receiving the fresh calling of God over your life. He's not looking for extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. He's looking for ordinary people with an obedient heart to do extraordinary things. So you just want to be in that place to be obedient, fresh again, of the calling of God over your life. If you want to put your hands, please do so. Let me pray over you. Holy God, I thank you from this story that we are reminded by that there is a calling over us to continue to be obedient in heart, joyful in character, to see you move in us. We pray that we wouldn't have blocked ears. We would have open ears to listen to you. I pray that when you speak to us, like the next tissue coming out, we would respond and we would work. I thank you that work doesn't define our faith, but work and faith, um, that obedience is proof of it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would have faith to believe that you will speak and move and we would have the obedience to act in the way that you're calling us to do so. In your holy, precious name, we pray. Amen. 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 Right. Are we ready, church family, to pray over our young people? I hope we are. That response, I wasn't sure. Are we ready? Ready? Now loud voices pray and then I'll close us. Ready? Three, two, one, pray. Holy Father, I pray over the next generation that God you would move. Pray equip us to help us to be able to do that. Help us, Father. Help us, Father, to be loving workmanship and faith for the other Jesus is coming. Pray, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Yeah. Yes, God.
Yeah, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you have blessed us with the privilege of having the next generation in our family. It is a joy and it is a privilege that we get to be part of helping shape the next generation. But Father, I pray that we would pick up the baton of faith and do so with great love and affection. I pray that we would stop seeing the youth as those youth, but the younger generation as our younger generation. Regardless of our age, Holy Spirit, I pray that we will be invested in to see the next generation brought into the church, into our family, discipled and set. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would enable us to change the culture that is currently in the church, to see whole church, our church, our family, us, Jesus, in you, as beloved family, parents, brothers, sisters, grandparents to the next generation to bring them in, to disciple them and send them out. Holy God, let us not be irrelevant in culture, but let us be inclusive in family, that we would see the turning of the tide of the next generation and we become a multi-generational church because God, you care about all generation and ages. I pray that. Change our culture, my King. In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.